KMTT, Ki Mitzion Torah. You're listening to the Erev Shabbat program, Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Kaf Vav Shvat, Parashat Mishpatim, Parashat Shkalim. The Erev Shabbat program is Lilu Nishmat Shlomo Yosef Ben Chaim Shmuel, and I'm your host, Jonathan Snowbell. When I first, when I first started doing KMTT, Rav Bick, who runs the Rosh Yeshiva of KMTT, of the Virtual Beit Midrash, approached me and asked me on a pinch-hitting level, would I do the uh, Parsha Shir for this and this date? And I, uh, and I agreed because I believe that you should give a shir when you're asked to. Um, something I've learned from uh, Maranan Rabbanan, my rabbis and teachers, and though it seemed at the time as a big task, and at the time it was a big task, because I, I believe the first uh, shear that I gave on KMTT, I actually wrote down everything word for word, which I'm not used to doing ever, but here I found this whole KMTT sitting in an empty room by myself. How is this, how's this all going to work? Anyway, it was, it was a learning process with the KMTT, and what... I thought, though, was, was that, well, he's not going to be able to ask me long-term because how many Divrei Torah can I, uh, you know, pull out of the hat? How many do I have? Five, six good shiurim that I've given in the past. And, you know, somehow or another, we've gone through a year of Erev Shabbat programs, and we're on to the second year, and before the Erev Shabbat program, I gave uh, Parsha shiurim. And you wonder to yourself, well, at what point do you start becoming repetitive and you have nothing new to say? And uh, at the, at, on that note, I'd like to mention two remarkable people, and that is uh, David Silverberg, who uh, writes Salt for the Virtual Beit Midrash. And those of you who use the Virtual Beit Midrash may know what I'm referring to. Dvar Torah every day, he writes. A short Dvar Torah. And he's been doing this since I was in Yeshiva, which goes back to 1998. Okay, He's been doing this for some decade now. At the t- initially, we had a rotation, and then shortly after, he took over the whole thing, lock, stock, and barrel. And in, uh, and, and that's a daily Devar Torah on any topic. And, and I'd also like to mention Rav Bazak, who for many years wrote the opening remarks on the Shabbat B'Shabbato weekly uh, Devar Torah sheet given out by Machon Somet, uh, who stepped down from his position at the beginning of this year. But again, remarkably, was able to come up with a different comment on the Parsha for many years, year after year. And there's, with that, with this, with these opening remarks, I, I have a feeling that though I try very hard not to repeat specific messages, it is inevitable that on a program like this, which is message-oriented and not just textual learning-oriented, that there's going to be re- repetitions of messages. And messages may be repackaged and resold in a new wrapping. And there's nothing wrong with that, because in order to really internalize messages, we have to be hit by them in, from many different angles. If you get hit by a message from one angle only, it sort of rolls off your back. But if you get hit by the same message from many different angles, we're bound to internalize something. We're bound to notice things more. And on that vein, in that vein, I can't recall specifically talking about this 
message that I will be talking about today, but I can't imagine that I haven't at the same time. And there were two sources, one from our Parsha, one from last week's Parsha, which really um, sharpened this message in my mind. And again, it's things that we see year after year, and sometimes they just jump out at us, and we say, wow, I can't believe that was sitting there. And here is, I'll start from our Parsha, we'll go back to Yitro afterwards. Rashi, the second Rashi of the Parsha. These are the laws that you shall place before them. God says to Moshe, these are the laws that you shall place before B'nai Israel. Rashi comments, Amar lo HaKadosh Baruch Hu Moshe. God said to Moshe, Lota le'aldatcha lomar, eshne lahem aperek vehalacha, shnaim o shalosh pe'amim, aj teheis dura befihem kemishnata. I don't let don't let the thought cross your mind to say I will teach them the chapter or the specific halacha two or three times until they know it by heart and I'm translating with a little bit of liberty here. And I will not trouble myself to make them understand the reason behind the issues and the explanation. Therefore, it says in the Torah, You shall place before them like a set table which is prepared for a person to eat at. The thought that crossed or could have crossed Moshe's mind was that they need to know what to do. We'll tell them what to do. We'll make sure they know what to do. Two or three times we'll repeat it until they memorize it. They don't have to understand the system behind the halachot. You just have to go and know the halachot. And that's it. And God says to Moshe, Don't let this thought even cross your mind. That you're just going to teach them what they have to do and then walk away. And you're not going to explain to them the explanations behind what you're doing, behind the halachot, the reasoning behind the halachot, you have to rather present it before them. Kishulchan ha'aruch, a set table where everything is clear, everything is visible, where everything is understandable. And it's interesting that the term shulchan aruch is used. It's interesting on two levels. Shulchan aruch, of course, is the name of the book that we learn halacha from. But of course, the shulchan aruch, in fact, is not a book for learning the reasons behind the halachot, the explanations behind the halachot, because the Shulchan Aruch is a very terse and concise text. And truthfully, if one wants to understand the halachot, they have to go one step before the Shulchan Aruch and read his commentary on the Torah called the Beit Yosef, which where there he really fleshes out topics more in depth. The point being is that Moshe is told here that he must empower the people to understand what they are doing. He cannot teach them just what to do. What's wrong with just teaching them what to do? Firstly, it's hard to remember what to do, have a million million details to remember. Um, In my teaching, I'm encouraging people, recently I've been encouraging people, 
Before you learn Hilchot Brachot from a, from a modern book, which tells you what bracha to make on this and what bracha to make on that, look at the Rambam in Hilchot Brachot and just go through it. The Rambam is a little bit not as detailed as the modern day books, but it is a good basis for seeing the background and understanding what's behind Hilchot Brachot. On a very simple level, understanding. Empower the people to be able to on simple halachot, understand what's behind it so they don't have to come back and ask every single new question so that they have an understanding of the cognitive system that's working here and the explanations behind it so that when a slight deviation from the halacha appears, they won't be at a loss and not know what to do with it. They'll be able to go back to the sources that they've been taught by you the reasoning behind the halachot, and so that they can apply it for themselves as well. Again, no one's saying here that everybody should be, you know, ruling on questions of, uh, of brain death and whether you can take them off the life support system, but we're talking about everyday halachot that you should know, and you shouldn't have to, every single question, have to go back and ask a question to Moshe Rabbeinu. You should be able to have an idea and understanding of the, the process that's gone on here and the reasoning behind things so that when that slight deviation comes up, you can figure it out for yourself and you don't have to go back to Moshe. The going back to Moshe takes us to the, my second point, And of course, this is a related point, And this takes us back to last week's Parsha. And last week's Parsha, Yitro seeing that Moshe is sitting from the morning till the night, judging the people, and the people are standing in a long line to be judged by Moshe. He's not happy for this, because Moshe is not going to be able to survive this way, and the people are not going to be able to survive this way. And and what he suggests is that there should be Sarei Alafim, Sarei Me'ot, Sarei Chamishim, Sarei Asarot. There should be different levels of judges. And Rashi explains that Sarei Alafim means one judge per a thousand people. That would be a higher level judge. Sarei Me'ot, one judge per 100 people. Sarei Chamishim, one judge for 50 people. And one judge, Sarei Asarod, one judge per 10 people. Now that's a pretty extreme system. And my first gut feeling, which is a, not a good gut feeling because it didn't sound good, is that, wow, this is a pretty, uh, we would call this, a, in Hebrew we would say it's a mushchat system. It's uh it's something's wrong with a system where you've got one judge per ten people. Imagine the salary uh, problems that you'd have in a system of government like this, where every tenth person is a judge and uh, is, a, is a lower level judge, and one every fifty per person is a second tier judge, and every one of a hundred is a third, and etc. etc. It's out of control. But David Nativ, who's uh, one of the teachers here in Herzog College, spoke on Friday night here in Alon Shvut. And he gave a completely different take on it, and I'm uh, much more comfortable with his take. And here it is the same idea again, which is, we're not talking about judges per se, in a formal sense of, uh, you know, this is their job, this is their occupation, this is uh, what they do for a living. When we talk about Sarei Alafim, perhaps we're talking about really big, avot real high-level judges. But once we get down to Sarei Me'ot, Sarei Chamishim, Sarei Asarot, so perhaps 
Sare Me'ot were talking about community rabbis, and then Sare Chamishim were talking about classroom rabbis, and Sare Asra were talking about your neighbor on the street who's a Talmud Chacham. And what we're talking about here is once again empowering the people to be able to deal with the issues on their own. It can't be that the system has to be run in a way that constantly they're running to Moshe for the answers. How can they possibly function in this way where they always have to go back to the, to the source, to Moshe Rabbeinu? No. Empower the people. And empowering the people doesn't mean only that there should be Sarah Alafim, that there should be one per thousand people, because you know what, that's a lot also. Sarah Me'ot, Sarah Chamishim, Sarah Sarot. We're talking about every tenth person is someone who's knowledgeable, who has a feel for things, who has an understanding of the system, who knows what's going on. The common thread between the two, which is quite obvious, is the idea of empowering the people. Empowering the people by not making them completely dependent on the person or the people at the top of the totem pole. Allowing them, A, to understand the system, and by understanding the system, we're talking about being able to handle questions. People who have learned, they don't have to be the posek, they don't have to be Rav Moshe Feinstein, but they can have an understanding and and help other people determine the halacha in more basic cases to higher level cases. Not everything has to go up to the top. And that's the common thread between these two ideas. A, teaching it in a way where everybody can understand and not just know what to do, but understand what's behind what's going on here. And B, in that way, we can empower more and more people. Not everybody is going to be able to sit down and open a Beit Yosef and a Gemara and really understand the halachot. But it doesn't have to be one in 600,000, and it doesn't have to even be one in a thousand. It could be one in every ten. It could be your neighbor. It could be someone on your street. It doesn't have to be that you have to make a special appointment with the rabbi in shul in order to know the halacha, because the rabbi's got 500 families in his shul. He can't get to everybody all the time. There need to be more people out there. There need to be more people who could give a shear, because the rabbi is not going to always be available to give a shear. There's got to be more than one person in the community. There's got to be lots of people in the community. There's got to be the person that you can turn to in shul, and you can ask him a question after davening. And even if you're knowledgeable, there's got to be another person in the shul who's more knowledgeable than you who's not the Rav, because maybe you don't get along with the Rav. Maybe there's somebody else you need to speak to. And that's the idea here. The idea here is empowering the people to understand. And in that sense, when there's a system where it's not a secretive system, where only one person holds all the cards, and everybody else just has to guess and wonder what to do, but the system is an understandable system, then many people can understand the system. And many people can ha- be involved in the give and take of halakha. On this level, I just want to give a little plug for Rev. Rimon, who has been recently very much been pushing his system of learning halakha, where at the same time he likes to come to practical halakha conclusions. He's not interested in learning halakha on a theoretical level. At this, on, the, on the other hand, he also 
wants to make sure everybody understands the basis, the reasoning behind the halakha. And in that sense, Rav Rimon is fulfilling the idea of like a set table for everybody to see and understand. And also, he's empowering more people to understand halacha and making there more people out there who we could turn to, who we could ask. And on that note, may everybody have fruitful learning where they learn the halachot, understand the halachot, and thereby know the halachot. Shabbat Shalom and Chodesh Adar Sameach. Mishinichnas Adar Marbim Besimcha. Be well.